right, welcome back. This is What's Your Reason? Um, this week, uh, Matthew and I are sitting down with a friend of mine, Nicole Marjasso of Planned Parenthood of Greater New York. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here with us today. And today we are going to be focused, um, our topic today is reason and women's rights. So do you wanna give us a little bit of background on how you started with Planned Parenthood, what it is that you do with them? Sure, absolutely. So um, I have been with Planned Parenthood of Greater New York for or, over three years now. Um, many people may not know that there are separate Planned Parenthood affiliates. And here in New York, I believe we have four or five different affiliates. Um, I work for the largest affiliate. We cover 65% of New York. We cover 31 counties and currently have 16 health centers um, open and running. Um, when I first started with Planned Parenthood, I joined their Victim Advocacy Services Program, um, which is a program that largely focuses on providing advocacy and support and a hotline um, for victims of uh, sexual assault, serving both children and adults. Um, and so I joined that program at first as their volunteer coordinator and also served as a victim advocate myself. Um, so that was like doing a lot of support in local hospitals and child advocacy centers, um, serving those folks. And it was a very intense um, and also rewarding on some level experience to be in that kind of service. And now was that a volunteer position or that was a paid position that you took it on? Was a, it was a paid position. So I was the volunteer coordinator. So I was um, uh, training folks uh, to become a part of our program because we had volunteer advocates working along right. with us. Um, so we did have volunteers and then we also had staff that were serving as advocates. Um, but we needed a lot of support because we covered three different uh, 24 hour Monday through Friday or you know seven days a week hotline uh, covering mm -hmm. 11 counties. Um, wow. Yeah. That's, so that's a lot of coverage. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of man hours. That's that's a lot of of volunteer coordination yeah yeah so how it works like yeah absolutely so why is your affiliate district so large um so well let me just back up real quick so after i worked for that program i then moved over to our public affairs and started working in um community organizing and that is now the program that i work in um the reason why our affiliate is so large is because we recently merged uh prior uh there had been i think nine affiliates in new york and six of us merged five five of us merged pardon me to join one affiliate and uh, one of the benefits of that is just because with so many different affiliates in New York, you know, you have to have separate CEOs and separate right. boards and like all this admin. A um, lot more red tape. Yeah. So by combining, um, we were able to like pull our resources together, be spending less on some of these higher um, paid positions and to be able to do more care and, and reach more broadly throughout New York. And um, also to standardize a lot of our services. Like for example, in Nassau County, they were providing prenatal care and we weren't, uh, didn't have the resources to do that up here. And up here, you know, we were providing um, the Victim Advocacy Services Program and they didn't have that So in other parts of the state. So one of the goals of this merger is to standardize all those services. So mm -hmm. um, eventually we'll be have a lot more services that we're providing throughout the whole state that are really important for all of our communities. 
I guess you just hit the nail on the head. The idea that it's not even like, we always think of Planned Parenthood as one single conglomeration that is nationwide and all of these different places work exactly the same. Like it's a community health center that's no different than Washington state or, you know, uh, right here in New York or in Vermont, you know, like we think of the care as exactly the same as everybody gets, but that's just not how it works in any of these things. Like right. Planned Parenthood in New York is way different than West Virginia or Arkansas or, you know, like it's just yeah. different organizations. Right. And so uh, the way that our health centers are set up is they must very much respond to the needs of the community. So right. if a community already has a ton of prenatal care services being offered, maybe that's not one we're going to focus on. Um, right. If the community doesn't have a lot of abortion care providers, maybe that's something we're going to offer. So whatever the community doesn't have is um, um, helps to for us to determine what services the community needs and that we're going to try to offer. And then of course too, it depends too on the affiliate, right? We all have our own like um, financial systems for each affiliate. So like right. some affiliates are really don't have a ton of resources and they can't do a lot. They don't have a lot of staff. So it just depends on um, different factors, how we're able to serve the community. So this affiliate that you are a part of that's so large, do you find that you struggle to have enough people on staff to be able to cover all of the needs that you have, or you feel that in this area, you're well-staffed, you're well-funded? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a complex question, but, um, and of course we, we've had our hit, you know, taken a hit just like everyone else with COVID-19, right? So, right. Um, you know, we have lost staff this year, so that decreases the amount of care we can provide. We are currently hiring for a lot of positions. So if anybody's looking for a job, we're hiring in admin, in development, in clinical. Um, so if you go to uh, PPGNY's website, Planned Parenthood of Greater New York and jobs, um, there's quite a few positions open that you are welcome to apply for. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we still, you know, are offering a full range of services. Our doors are open to all. Um, we, you know, our motto is care no matter what. Um, it does not matter your health insurance status situation. Our doors are open to everyone. It doesn't matter your zip code, your immigration status, um, your gender identity. You know, you are all welcome and we will serve you no matter what. So I, what is the biggest thing that you guys do serve the area up here for? I mean, you, like you said, each different area has its different thing that you guys need to focus yeah. on. Our um, local area. 72% of our services are for sexual um, and reproductive health care. So that's going to be like uh, birth control, STI right. testing, and treatment. Two okay. services that I just want to highlight that a lot of people don't know that we offer is transgender care. We really pride ourselves being on uh, the forefront for um, comprehensive, uh, safe, compassionate LGBTQ services, um, including hormone uh, replacement therapy. Um, so that's something actually our Saratoga centers is really well known for. Um, and then also primary care we offer. So a lot of people don't know that. And you offer care for men and women? Yes, for okay. everybody. And everybody, yeah. <laughs> and minors, you know, yes. So you said 72% is is really, I mean, it's reproductive, but it, less to do with abortion, more to do with uh, preventative care or just care in particular, right? Like, I mean, like 
Yeah. I guess that's that's the misconception, right? That Planned Parenthood is all specifically about abortion and nothing else. But the truth is, you guys are very small percentage about abortion. And yeah, I mean, we proudly offer abortion care because that is part of the spectrum abs- of right. reproductive health care. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's because we are politicized as a, a healthcare organization. Right. You know, unfortunately, that you know, the fact that we do provide that piece of reproductive health care, um, you know, is used by antis against us. But a little bit of interesting history I can share with you quickly. Um, Would love it. <laughs> sure. Um, Planned Parenthood um, Federation of America was uh, founded 100 years ago, and it was um, primarily a birth control um, organization. The founder of our organization was actually anti-abortion. Um, and so that's interesting. Um, and then, um, you know, one, once um, abortion became legal part of reproductive health care in our country with Roe v. Wade, um, Planned Parenthood had to decide whether we were going to offer abortion care as part of our services. And they made the decision to, to include it as part of our reproductive health care. Um, that is so interesting. Until then, that it was even um, part of our, and then of course, like right when that happened, well, not right when that happened, but when abortion care became politicized, then the antis really chose that to focus on. But the truth is, and that many people know, is we are the ones who are here when some people have nowhere else to go. Our doors right. stay and we create access for people who are sometimes in desperate situations. Um, and we are also just here as offering, you know, a, a comprehensive, high quality, affordable healthcare for everyone who just chooses to use our services because they're really happy with the uh, services they've been, they've received from us. Yeah, I, I love the history of the idea that the organization started as something that was trying to stop abortions, right? Like. That whole concept to me is what we should be focusing on as a society, right? Stopping and making illegal abortions only goes back to where we were, right? Like where women were actually dying because they were doing it in secret, all of that kind of thing, right? We know that's not the answer. The answer is making it so you don't need it. You know, what's crazy is that the fact, you know, the idea that abortion was is even considered like this horrible negative thing is also something that's more new in our culture. Up until through the 1800s, medical abortion was a normal part of medical practice. So so many women died of it. Uh, Like uh, women died so often in childbirth and child rearing. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's a common part of our history. Absolutely. The reason why birth control, um, the whole movement started was because to support our families, right? right. Like trusting that um, mothers, fathers, families know what their capacity is to really take care of themselves and the children they already have and trusting that, right? At the end of the day, it comes down to trusting women, trusting people to make the best choice for themselves and their families. Right, keeping government out of it, right? Like, I mean, isn't that isn't that like the whole idea of saying like I want my, I right? Like I, I yeah, I I tend to bend that way a little bit, and um, the idea of saying that the government should tell a woman or a man and a woman because let's face it, we're in this as a partnership as as a couple. The idea that the government's saying no, regardless of what your healthcare is, your doctor recommends for you we're gonna say no this is not okay to me that that doesn't sound like the idea of my doctor and me 
having control, but I, again, it's all perspective, right? Well, what happened last, last year, I believe it was, yeah, 2019 in August, uh, the, the Trump administration passed uh, the Title X gag rule. Um, so Title X is the only federal uh, family planning uh, program that we have in our country. Um, and this administration passed a gag rule on it, which basically said that no grantee, like no healthcare provider or organization that receives funds from this federal program is able to talk about or refer for abortion care at all. So even if um, a person's life is at risk, they could right. not refer um, for abortion care. Um, it's so, that black and whiteness again, right? Like that idea of there, there is no, there's no exception to our rule that says that no, you can't get any money if you give these, even so the, the knowledge of it. So it violated medical ethics. So then what happens is providers and organizations had to opt out of that program. And then they right. lost funding so they can provide less services. And so this disproportionately affected um, communities with low income folks, right? Of course. Um, disproportionately hit our rural areas if we're talking about local reproductive freedom issue, mm. right um yeah but here well, in the US, we were lucky that our um our legislature passed title 10 backfill funding for our grantees here in new york including Planned parenthood so we were continue to we were able to continue to offer the full range of services to new yorkers but you know that would expire this upcoming um budget so and I, that's one of those things where i do feel blessed to live in a state where I don't have to worry about my reproductive rights or my rights, health rights as a woman being taken away. But we do live in a country that is made up of more than just this one state. And the idea that in many places, women cannot receive even just basic health care because there is no one there for them. They're shutting down places that offer abortions because they offer abortions. But like you said, there's a whole range of services that you provide and other organizations like yours provide that are being taken away from women just because they also happen to provide that one service. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and it's just heart-wrenching. It's kind of like going to a hospital and they say like, oh, you, you know, you can't offer um, surgery on, you know, um, removing your gallbladder here. And so right. the doctors say like, oh my gosh, I can't practice. I can't but, do that. Right. And so they shut the whole hospital. And right. you're like, oh, and even just, just outside of the idea that they can't provide that service, they can't even explain to you that you need that service. I can't even tell you that this is what you need for your life to be saved i can't even tell you that i can't even tell you to go somewhere else and get that service or i'm going to lose my funding and not be able to provide health care for all right. these other people 
So Julie, you made some really great points there here in New York, um, especially because last year uh, we passed the Reproductive Health Act, the RHA, which codified Roe v. Wade into New York state law. Right. We do, and you know, we do enjoy rights to access the full range of our reproductive freedom here in New York without like penalty, um, you know, that a lot of other states don't have. Um, and that is scary because, you know, like as we see the ways that the Supreme Court is shifting, um, you know, one of the reasons that we were really intent on getting that passed here, so we don't know how it's going to be on a, on a national federal level soon. Um, right. and, and as you said, in other states um, where there are sweeping restrictions on um, abortion access and really uh, these targeted restrictions against abortion providers where the whole uh, clinics and health centers end up shutting down. This um, is really scary and awful because it mm -hmm. disproportionately again hits people of low income, younger folks and people in rural areas. These are not hits against um, people of middle income or higher income, those folks are still going to have the resources to go access their full right. healthcare, reproductive healthcare that they need. They're still going to have that access. This is that, a disproportionate yeah. hit at everybody else. And and that's tied in to a general thing, I think, that a lot of people haven't been paying attention to, which is actually part of why I think Trump got elected, because our rural areas have been just left behind in so many ways and healthcare is one of the big ones right like we don't have access in a lot of we're really rural areas in most of the country to basic healthcare for anybody not just women but just anybody because a lot of those like little tiny community health centers those single doctor offices that just don't exist anymore because they can't compete they don't have the insurance they don't have it's just the system that we have built in the United States that is based on profit alone. It's just not working for the right. average person in America anymore. And then you take that a step farther and people in those rural areas, um, maybe they don't have access to a vehicle to get to the doctor, or maybe they can't. I find my whole adult life, my biggest concern has always been, how do I get there without taking time off of work, because if I don't work, I'm not getting paid. If I'm not getting paid, I'm not, you know, feeding my kids, you know? So <clears throat> that whole idea of being able to offer services that are accessible. So even if they're there, doesn't mean that people can get to them always. Absolutely. There's two plugs I just wanna put in for this. One um, is, um, you know, we do cover your area. And one thing we do offer is telehealth medicine. So I was just going to ask about that, actually. Yeah, yeah. So that's really important that and it doesn't cover obviously every service you need. But if you know, it's smaller things, right? Like you have a UTI things that you need a prescription for, um, right. um, you know, uh, medical abortion, you can access our telehealth um, uh, medicine and have an appointment and be seen. Um, but that does run into the issue of access to broadband, right? Like right. Those, are, those are things that access for rural areas has yeah. just been lacking. I mean, right. we, and that we is not even things. necessarily a matter of them not having the money to have broadband, no. but a matter of there are certain places where you just can't get it. It yeah. just doesn't exist well, there. Yeah. So that so, is part of our legislative agenda for this coming year is to right. increase um, access to broadband. I, 
a hundred years ago, it's funny that Planned Parenthood, right? Like the beginnings, there was the same thing for the idea of like electricity, right? Yeah. Like the, the access of electricity, the access of plumbing for everybody in America. That kind of thing actually started around a hundred years ago, you know, like that whole concept of all of us kind of chipping in and saying that, no, everybody should have electricity in their homes. Well, now we're at a point where in order for people to actually compete and let's face it, for people to have doctor's coverage and stuff in places where you don't have the ability to have an office or even the expense of having the office, it's not worth it. Let's get broadband into those areas. For kids to be able to access their education, right? Right. Get them into our market. Get them into right. this, this new world. With COVID, like I know that my kids, my daughter's school shut down again for the next week, so she's home with her Chromebook and has to do all of her school virtually. But if we didn't have access to broadband, how would we be able to? So kids are in this weird time of COVID are missing out on huge chunks of their just basic education that that's a huge scary idea of like what are these kids going to do if they don't have access to that yeah it just kind of brings you back to to that central like issue of like our resources and services um available to all right how do we make this accessible mm -hmm. to all right and and that's right. like a big thing that at Planned Parenthood we're always thinking about um, Another plug I want to put in is that we do have these mobile health units um, that are more centered in New York City, but they actually go out to the communities to create better access. And, um, you know, we don't currently have that um, upstate in, in this area up here, but that is something that I've heard talk about, like, where could that be used more, right? How can we continue to increase, create more access for folks to get the services they need? Uh, just like basic service kind of a mobile unit like yes. um i'm assuming not not anything with like large imaging or anything right. like that mm -hmm. basic yeah healthcare need yeah that's a that's awesome i i yeah. i think actually that that ties into the idea of coming into the future with our technology right like understanding that if we don't need everybody to go in COVID is really starting, I think, to get us to understand that we don't all need an office space, right? Like, right. it's not necessary for 100 people to be working in the same office if they can literally be doing all of the stuff that they're doing from home for a quarter of the, the overhead, really. I mean, that's what we have to start thinking about. Do yeah. we need these office buildings? Do we need the large amount of infrastructure that we have for some of these businesses that probably could do without it, you know, like do yeah. better with it. So just, you know, I'm putting a plug into like, you know, this program is really about, um, I, from what I understand, like inspiring people to understand um, or think about what their personal reasons for voting may be, right? So like all right. of this is very much connected to the legislative work that's going to happen here in Albany for our state. So like, you know, making that connection between like, if you need broadband access to access more of services, whether we're in a pandemic or just because you're in a rural place, like voting in those electeds who are going to support that kind of legislation, right? Right. Your locals, right? Like, because let's face it, just voting for the president in this last election oh. isn't going to get you the broadband that you need. Like everybody always thinks that that's going to change the whole country. Every four years they go out and they vote and 
you know, twice as many people vote than when uh, on the off years. No, that's not, we need a more, a better understanding of how this stuff actually works. Yeah, to flex your local electoral constituent power, right? Because that's where you really can see and feel like a direct impact on your life, right? Like who are your local electeds? Who's your assembly person? Who is your state senator? Who are your, you know, county uh, council folks? And like, what are they representing and voting on? And how does that align with what your personal family needs are? Yeah, those are the people you can meet. You will, you know, like, honestly, I'm, I'm very, very politically, you know, astute and everything. And it's extremely difficult to talk to somebody who's actually running for, you know, national office, like, to get into federal office, it's kind of like a, a whole different world. But you can talk to the people that are actually running for your state Senate, you can talk to the people running for assembly here or, you know, state Congress someplace else. It, it truly comes down to that idea of you should get to know the people that are in your area running for your local offices, because that's the only way you're going to have any clue what's going on. And hold them accountable. Believe me, they, they pay attention to what they are hearing from their constituents. They know they're only empowered because of their constituents. So when they hear from you, they, they take note of all of that. They keep record of all of that it really does make a difference. Whether you call or send an email or write a letter or show up at a town hall meeting or set up a virtual lobby with them, um, it impacts them greatly. It, it truly, it, it can make a difference just with a small percentage of people because we actually don't, we don't vote in the way that we just did in this last election. Like this last election was a, a powerhouse election, right? More people got out and voted than normal. But yet it still wasn't, like, let's put it this way, 30% of the vote, like 30% of the people in this country could outvote both parties. Well, that's not a whole lot of, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of stinks. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Like, if, if that many people aren't voting, that, that just means that that many people aren't being represented at all. And it's easier for politicians to kind of sway to one side or the other because they're only they're only talking to one group. Yeah, that is one thing too. I really appreciate about organizing work for me. Um, it's really about like um, you know connecting with community members, um, learning from them about what's going on in their community and what is um, important. What are the needs of their community, and like connecting them with. Um, proposed bills that are, you know, in our legislature, right? And like, what are the things that they need for their communities that are actually being debated upon here in our New York state legislature and get involved and have your voice heard and let your representatives know how important things are for you and what you want them to go to battle for, right? And that can happen. That can happen here in our New York state legislature and you can have your voice um, and your values um, heard for, your representation. So speaking of that, is there anything that you as an organization are working on or working towards? Is, are, I well, know that we don't really have events at the moment, but. Yeah. Well, I'll speak a little bit to both of that. Thanks, Julia. Um, we actually have turned all of our organizing work to a virtual space um, and have had to get really creative uh, technologically on the fly. And so some of the things that we've done um, 
post-COVID is these big town halls that are free and open to anyone, open to the whole public. And we've done um, uh, town halls based upon uh, the topics of like healthcare disparities under COVID-19, right? Like black and brown folks are disproportionately dying due to COVID-19. Um, we've had town halls on anti-Asian uh, racism um, due to COVID-19 and the president's remarks about this being the Chinese virus and, and things like that. Um, so in these events um, have drawn uh, people from all over the state numbering up to a few hundred people for a town hall. Um, of course, like, uh, you know, for voter registration, we did a ton of like virtual phone and text banking, reaching out, really trying to get our under, uh, um, underrepresented communities uh, registered to vote um, and getting correct information out there. We did a ton of work on census this year to try to make sure all of our community members get counted so that all of our communities receive the resources that they need. So we did uh, months of phone banking and texting, trying to get, um, um, you know, people correct information and, and really working hard against a lot of kind of fear mongering that was done, uh, specifically targeted towards immigrant communities about participating in the census. Um, so we did a lot of, of work around that. Um, so Thank we. You. Thank you, by the way, for that. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, it was an uphill battle because. Um, unfortunately, there were forces that really didn't want people to get counted, you know. Um, and, and it really cripples our, our communities because for all the people who aren't counted, we're still paying for the services our community members need, but we're not getting reimbursed from the federal government. So it really takes a just, you know, New York is a donor state. We pay for it so is. much more than we receive in federal funding because we don't have the numbers that we should have for who's actually living in our community. So, but we did, we just put a ton of energy um, for months and months into the 2020 census. Um, so we still are doing a lot of work um, just in a, in a virtual space, not as much on the ground and in person as Julie, you probably remember prior, right? Like I would yeah. be up in your area every couple months doing an in-person meeting at the local cafe. And unfortunately like that can't happen right now, but definitely still doing a ton. And if so you- So how do people find out what events you have and how they can hook up with that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to Planned Parenthood of Greater New York and activist or get involved, um, you will come to our website and there's like a, you know, a button to get involved and that will bring you to um, um, like to become an activist button. And if you click on that, there's information about what we call our advocacy collective, which is basically the umbrella term that houses all the different kinds of volunteer community engagement activist work that our organizing team does. Um, and there's an application to fill out and then we reach out to you and you are, are welcome to come to a, a training series where we um, teach you all about uh, Planned Parenthood of Greater New York and our services um, and our volunteer opportunities. Um, and we have subgroups that are volunteer led um, and they include um, health center escorts, um, immigrant justice, uh, LGBTQ rights, um, sexual and reproductive health, grassroots fundraising. So there's lots of different volunteer opportunities uh, for people and leadership opportunities for people to get involved in. Um, and people, everyone, you know, is welcome, um, 18 and over for this. Um, so yeah, you can, and then also you can connect with us on Facebook at Planned Parenthood of Greater New York Action Fund, and also on Instagram at PPGNYact. Um, and then if you connect with us, you'll learn all about like 
events such as our town halls that I mentioned just a minute ago. Uh, we have a Wellness Wednesday program that's offered every single Wednesday at one o'clock um, and it's free and open to anyone. And there's things like flower essences practitioners come and teach us about how to really practice self-care or a yoga session or uh, creative writing. And this project, the Wellness Wednesday program grew out of um, COVID, right? We were like, okay, what does our community need and how can we help support our community? And we came up with this self-care idea um, and it's all virtual, so it's open to anyone. Um, yeah. It is necessary right now. <laughs> yeah, right. It truly is, right? Like how do we take care of ourselves and our families in a pandemic? It's been, I, I will say this whole thing is weird, right? Like just, uh, Historically, I, I want to point out the idea of a pandemic during a time when we can actually do this, right? Like, it's not as if this is something we've ever been able to experience as a human race, right? To be able to still communicate like this, but to not be able to touch people, right? Like, I don't think many of us understood how connected we are to being able to, when we see a loved one, hug them and, you know, like, be close to them. Like this, that is the hardest part about this whole COVID experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just, you know, thinking about Thanksgiving coming, right? And like, oh, I, yeah. You know, and I think about like single people or like elderly people and just isolation. And it's tough. It's a tough time. Right. We were talking to my mother in law about Christmas. So we have chosen Thanksgiving to not uh, be with the family to, you know, help protect every, cause they live in Vermont. We live in New York. We don't want, you know, to necessarily expose each other to, you know, things. But, you know, when you start talking about Christmas and his grandmother just turned 90 this year and like, how many more Christmases are we going to have with her? So to miss Christmas is a big deal. You know, when you're talking about these elderly family, you know what I mean? And she can't really see so it's not like we can you know zoom call her or facetime her and have a you know it's not the same and she wants to see her great grandkids and all of that stuff but we want to keep her safe too so yeah like having to weigh that right like oh it's just so like the whole mentality though of a nine-year-old woman saying well, wait hold on i'm nine years old i she's barely able to see it you know, like it's one of those things where she's looking at it like, well, she can barely hear, she can barely see. It's not like. Right. In her mind, the risk is worth it. She actually will straight up say, you know, like I would prefer to be able to see my family for a little bit longer than the idea of dying alone. Right. Like, and, and I get it. I, I oh, it, it's a horrible kind of. But also the idea, if we found out that we were the ones that gave her COVID, I mean, that would be devastating, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I think all, all of the world, it's not, and that's, I think that's what Americans need to understand about all this, that we are not doing all of this alone, right? This is not something that only America is dealing with and the rest of the world is just sitting back and laughing at us about every family in america is going through these exact same thoughts right like and we all have to kind of take grimace in that, in that 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 little bit of knowing okay yeah we're not the only ones experiencing this 
right. we can get through this. We've got a few more months. The vaccine is here, guys. Like it's here. Yeah. And we have a collective responsibility, right? We do. We yeah. really do. But anyway, um, so I we would like to end everything with a positive note every time. So uh, I guess I would would like to start with our lit bit. Um, the this bit of the show that is lit. lit. Um, <laughs> she gets she it. She gets it. See, yeah. Okay, we're there. Um, <laughs> uh, so for me, the the thing that I'm actually really, really like, I'm happy to see, and it's actually made me feel a whole lot better about everything that's going on politically and everything. Our military is 100% as honorable as I ever expected them to be about all of this. They are staying out of the political fray. Joe Biden, when he becomes president of the United States, because this has nothing to do with anything Donald Trump does, the fact is Congress is the ones who take away the power from the president and then give the new president the power. Even if Donald Trump stayed president, he's got to get it from Congress. So it, it this is the way the founders made it. And the military is 100, like, I mean, I, I, who knows 100%, but the leaders of the military are certainly in the idea that the constitution is saying that Joe Biden will be president. And that for me has been a, it, at least- Alleviate some of the yeah, stress. Yeah, a little bit of that stress. I mean, I know that there, I still think that there's probably going to be a bit of civil unrest come January 20th. Um, there are some groups that are already saying they are armed, proud, and, and very unwilling to see Joe Biden as their actual president. So I'm sure things are going to be not very fun for a little while, but our military is, yeah, they're on the side of the constitution. And I think that's all that matters. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's my, uh, that's my two cents on that one. Do you have anything you want to share with us, Nicole? I'm grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just say, say that like, I'm really grateful for y'all. Like I really miss being more connected with, um, you know, the local grassroots coalition partners, um, you know, with COVID and not being able to be on the ground. I really miss being out in the community. So I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to connect with you all and to see you, Julia, and, you know, to have this conversation that hopefully uh, will be helpful for some folks up in the, you know, the Glens Falls and greater and out, you know, more rural area. Um, thank you for helping to get some information out there, hopefully some inspiration and some community out there, you know, like we're all lacking seeing our community like we used to. So thank you for doing this service. Right. So are you working completely virtually? Like you aren't going into the office at all anymore? You're just hanging out in your house? Correct. Yeah. Like, I mean, I went in to grab some supplies to send to you for one of your events this summer. So like if there's stuff that people need and I have it, anything at the office I'll go in and like get a, a package together to send out supplies but other than that yeah I try to you know try to do my part and stay home mm -hmm. how are your kids handling the removal from stuff yeah knock on wood um they're they're doing okay they are in school it's a different kind of schooling you know they don't have right. Kind of social interaction but I'm really grateful that they're there because it was near impossible to be trying to work full-time as a single mom and homeschool them it was really hard on all yeah. of them. 
So, um, so they're doing pretty, pretty good. Thank you. That's for good. Yeah. I know it's, uh, it's amazing how quickly they're adjusting to this new world where my kids don't, when they walk out of the house, they're like, Oh, I need my mask. Like they're just so their brains are like, this is just life now and it's normal to them. And they don't realize what they're missing or how they'll think like, I get sad sometimes thinking about the stuff that they aren't able to do where they don't even care. They don't yeah. notice. Both my boys just had birthdays and COVID birthdays are tough, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I guess I'm thankful. I'm, I'm actually thankful for COVID as a whole because hmm. for me, it really did like change the way that I approach life. Right. So I was before COVID working half an hour away from my home, you know, eight hours a day. So I was gone from the house for close to 10 hours a day. And now, you know, my, like I said earlier, my daughter's school shut down for the week. And that, that doesn't have to be a source of stress for me because I'm home now with them more. You know, my, I took a position where I'm able to be with them the majority of the time. So that is just like a huge blessing in disguise. And also, you know, I'm a very busy person. I'm sure you can relate. I get involved with a lot of different things. And when we had to kind of take a step back, it helped me reevaluate like, okay, this is important and I am going to pour my time into this, but this other thing that's equally as important, maybe I'm choosing to step away from that because, you know, there are things that are more important and our family is the most important because if we can't provide the needs for our family, we certainly can't affect the community as a whole. So that's what I'm thinking. Did you tell Matt how you and I first bonded? <laughs> no, I did not. Would you yeah. like to tell a story? <laughs> Well, I, I would like to hear the story from you, actually. This lovely woman came to volunteer for an event. It was a screening. What was the screening, Julie? It was for the RBG movie. Okay, so just to watch RBG, yeah. And okay. uh, we started chatting afterwards and uh, realized that we were both the PTA presidents for the upcoming school year. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's usually, yeah. So are you still involved in your PTA? No, talking about streamlining, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this year is a good year to be involved with the PTA because there's not a whole heck of a lot of stuff that we can do. Not like they got a whole lot of events going on this year. Right. We I do have, have a virtual some... bing books for bingo event next week or this Friday. That's a good idea. Yeah, I <laughs> have been putting off even having a meeting because I just... But I have heard from a lot of different area PTAs of all the fun events that they are doing virtually. So we're going to try and do something, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a, a weird time to try and be involved in a, a building that I'm not even allowed to step foot in. You know, like I'm not even allowed to go inside of there. So. Right. Yeah. COVID definitely, it, it changed, I think, a lot of people's perspectives on uh, what was important. Right, like, and I, I think that's a good thing for a lot of. I, I will tell you two fun hobbies I picked up: <laughs> mushroom foraging. Oh, okay. Oh. Like in yeah, the wild. That one I would not have guessed. That that, that would have been the last time I looked. Mushroom foraging because it was the spring, right? So I picked up oh, that, right. and also antique bottle collecting. Oh, yeah, that's cool. It yeah, that's... it is so cool because yeah. my yeah my kids were like 
some of this isn't proud, but they were like playing in these woods near my house and they found all these glass bottles they were smashing. And I was like, what are you doing? And I found a few and I was like, these are really cool. And then I took them home and I looked them up and found out they were from like the 1920s, 1930s. Wow. Like cool stuff. And a lot of them were from like, like um, factories that no longer exist, like glass companies here in New York, like out at Elmira. I found such cool stuff. And so that like, is cool found these treasures that were teaching me about history. And um, I had this whole collection by the time summer came. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you have them on display in your house? I will. I just moved. And so they're packed. Um, but I found a bottle here in my backyard. Um, and I haven't like done all the research yet. Oh, I think it's a medicine bottle. But it's just cool. It like takes you back in history. That is cool. I, the medicine bottles. I've always loved those ones because those ones are they usually even had like different designs and stuff with the different medicines and everything. Like you knew where in the country it came from and it, like, yeah. it really and a lot just in our tell state. a story. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's cool when you do this kind of research, like so much of what people were consuming was locally produced. Had to be it, it, right. Like, because it's not like stuff was being shipped the right. way that we ship it today. It, or jobs weren't outsourced like they are you know manufacturing wasn't outsourced the way that it is now so pretty cool that is very cool there are pluses and minuses to all of it though That's right true. like I, I like the fact that I, I can sit here and talk to you because of this plastic and how cheap all of this stuff is you know what I mean like the microphones and these cameras and stuff like some of that outsourcing has benefited us greatly yeah greatly yeah, it's complex, just like anything in life, right? right a lot of nuance, a lot of nuance. All right, well, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. Thank both of you. It's been such a pleasure. Is there any last minute things you want to sneak in to tell our listeners? Oh, just again, to check out our website, Planned Parenthood of Greater New York, um, if you want to get more involved with us. And again, my name is Nicole Marjasso. I am the organizer, the community organizer for um, your area, the Glens Falls area, and I cover a large part, portion of New York. So um, if you reach out to me at nicole.marjasso/tran at ppgreaternewyork.org, we can connect and I'm happy to loop you into any um, efforts that we are a part of. All right, fantastic. 